There's two categories UCLA's got to win in order to upset Wazoo this Saturday. And the transfer portal window is changing. What does that mean for Chip Kelly and Mick Cronin and the other UCLA sports? All that and more on this Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to this edition of the Locked On UCLA Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Anderson-Yoxheimer. Thanks for making the show your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast audio-wise, if you're listening to it, or if you want to watch it. Thanks for tuning in on YouTube, and thanks for your support. Like, comment, download, whatever it may be. Thanks for being a true Bruin fan. If you're an everyday or you've heard me tease about this UCLA Wazoo matchup, because the Bruins are in for a unique battle against a top 15, top 16 team coming to the Rose Bowl. Middle of the day should be a toasty one in Pasadena. Pac-12 Network will be broadcasting the game, so the eyeballs won't be on it like it should be for this game. And yet UCLA comes in favored after a bye, also Wazoo coming off a bye, against a top 15 team with Cam Ward, Jake Dickert, and a team that's coming off a big win against Oregon State where they led in that game by three scores. How does UCLA find a recipe for success? And we'll get we'll get deeper into keys to the game when it comes to the Friday episode of Locked On UCLA, and I'll do deeper keys of the game. But I thought of two key categories, tails of the tape, for UCLA to beat Wazoo. I'm not sure this one will be 67-63 like it was back in 2019, and it might not involve a 30-plus point comeback for one side or another. But these two teams are facing off in Pasadena for the first time in, in nearly eight years, back, dating back to 2015, a game I remember going to where Washington State went down the field and won the game on a last-second touchdown pass when the Bruins couldn't hold them to a field goal. So how did the Bruins get this upset dub, even though they're favored, against Wazoo and KM Ward? First, we're going to talk about the likes of third downs. UCLA is coming off an atrocious performance offensively against Utah, where they are 3 of 16 for third down. One of their worst performances in a very long time. One of their worst performances under Chip Kelly, dating back in the last few seasons, back to the 2019 game, I believe, against uh, Fresno State. I might have the year wrong there. But it's the worst performance since they went 1 for 10 on third down, dating back to the early years of the Chip Kelly offense, Chip Kelly era at UCLA with a young quarterback. He had a young quarterback in a tough environment against what is the statistically best third down defense in the country against Utah. And you throw in some bad throws, some long down and distance in a rowdy environment that probably leads to some disaster, which is what happened. UCLA only scoring seven points against Utah. So third down UCLA offensively must find ways to convert and keep the chains going. Cause if they don't, you're going to see a wazoo offense that comes in as one of the best teams at converting on third downs. How are they one of the best teams? Wazoo this season is the top team in the country at converting on third down. They are about 60% at moving the chains when it comes to third downs. And Jake Dickard actually talked about this in his press conference. One of the reporters asked him, hey, what do you think led to your success this season when it comes to third down offense conversion?" And he said, well, you got to look at the down and distance, right? We've had success on first and second downs that have led us to have 
shorter downs and distance to go when they're facing a third down. So that's made it more manageable. So what can UCLA do on first and second down to keep them third and long, but also on a pivotal third down, get off the field and make sure that Cam Ward doesn't make magic with his legs, evading pressure with his athletic and athletic ability as he has not a quote-unquote taken off, according to Chip Kelly, but he has continued to do what he has been doing almost all along in the last two years he's been a Washington State Cougar, just bursting more onto the scene in the national limelight for most people. So can UCLA, which ranks number 58th in the country at getting teams off on third downs, they did a pretty solid job against Utah. They've done decent jobs this season. A lot has been helped out by the likes of having timely turnovers forced. We'll get to that in a moment. UCLA must capitalize offensively. They've got to convert more on third downs. They will face quite a few of them in this game, and if they don't do so, you're going to put the defense back out there. And if it's a long, grinded-out drive, Washington State might have a few of those on a hot day in the Rose Bowl. It's going to be, how do you get off the field on third down? That is one specific key for UCLA to win this game. If we look back on this and the Bruins couldn't get off the field, the Cougars are getting and getting first downs left and right. It could be big plays. It could be, it could be whatever. One of them will come down to third downs on both sides, but the Cougars specifically on offense are the best team currently, if you look at NCAA stats, go to the FBS, the best team in the country at converting on third downs so far, nearly 60% of the time. That's kind of absurd. Remember last year, UCLA was one of those better teams at converting on third down. This year, younger quarterback, new offensive line, or new pieces in the O-line, new pieces overall. A little bit different story. So can the Bruins have a somewhat equal level with Washington State when it comes to converting on third down? I think that would lean heavily for UCLA winning the game if those numbers are pretty similar or if they just completely demolish the Cougars and make sure they get off the field three and out, three and out, have drives stall out at the UCLA 40 as opposed to deep in UCLA territory. The next tail of the tape, the next key I kind of thought of was uh, kind of a, a dust stat. UCLA turnovers. The Bruins have forced a lot of turnovers. I've talked about this. Cam Ward is yet to throw an interception. The Cougars have done a very good job at taking care of the football this season. They convert on third down. They go score a lot of points. They are the fifth best total offense in the country coming into the week. They have many things going for them, largely centered around Cam Ward. Four receivers. You've got Lincoln Victor, who actually might be hurt, one of Wazoo's best receivers, but still they're an offense that's clicking for Jake Dickard's bunch and a defense that's maybe underrated but not going to really ramp it up like Utah did against the Bruins in week four a few weeks ago. So it comes down to turnovers. That was a big key for the UCLA and Utah game. For this one, UCLA can't turn it over and should not turn it over. Wazoo is near the bottom of the country. They're tied for 75th closer to 90th in the country when it comes to forcing turnovers. They force six. UCLA, they force nine. And those two teams have a big gap right there. UCLA only forced one against Utah, but there are three fumbles that the Bruins could have grabbed. They only grabbed one of them. And the numbers could be even higher if they had forced more turnovers against NC Central and gotten a fumble or two against the likes of Utah when Nate Johnson coughed it up a couple of times in his own territory. Wazoo, they're tied for 75th, and I know there's only a three-turnover differential there, but it comes down to uh, an upperclassman quarterback versus a true freshman quarterback, a defense that hasn't necessarily relied 
been relied upon to force turnovers in key spots. It's been the offense just blowing teams out and then holding on for dear life like they did against Wisconsin, like they did against Oregon State. What UCLA cannot have happen in this game is turnover early. They cannot have the same script or something similar to what happened in Salt Lake City. You can't have a first play pick six. It doesn't matter what it is. I would hope this first play this weekend will be a running play. I don't care what it is. Unless you have the best play action design pass that gets J. Michael Sturdivant open way down the field, I would like this play to be a running play on the first play designed of the weekend just to hopefully get some positive yards and not have exactly what happened against the Utes turn into the Cougars, a pick six or a turnover early on by a young quarterback against a good team in a big-time game. I know Moore has plenty of room for growth. He's going to be very good for the rest of the season, I hope, but I believe he will grow from that Utah performance, mostly because I'm not sure the Bruins will face a defense quite as good as the Utah defense overall this weekend and quite as demanding of a road environment. But it comes down to not turning it over. The Bruins have turned it over nine or forced nine turnovers. It comes down to not turning it over in the red zone like Moore did, throwing a pick six on the first play of the game. You get down two scores against the Cougars, I'm not sure the Bruins are going to come back. Utah couldn't do anything offensively. The Cougars will score points. And UCLA has done a lot of things good. If Just reading the UCLA release, the Bruins are pretty good in a lot of statistics leading in the Pac-12, and while this is the biggest test, and I'm going to reemphasize, this is their biggest test defensively all season long to this point, and will prove to us, is this a legit super defense, or they've been pushed up because of their opponents they've played? Overall, UCLA so far this season has been very good. They haven't allowed this few points, this little of points, 11 points per game, under 50 points in the first four games since 2001. So it's been a long time since the Bruins have been very, very good. The Bruins lead the Pac-12 in scoring defense, only giving up five touchdowns overall, fewest in the Pac-12. They have only given up three passing touchdowns this year so far, which is tied with Oregon. They have the best pass efficiency defense and are second in the league when it comes to sacks per game. So it's going to come down to other things, like can you pressure Ward, but can you make sure it's third and long, and the defense and the secondary, which will be tested this game, gets Ward out of his comfortable setting. Those are all things, but you can't lose the turnover battle and you've got to get the Cougars off the field on third down. And if you are somewhat even in third down conversion percentage, by the time the game ends, I think UCLA has a much better chance to win this game than the Cougars are successful close to 60%. Like their season average is that's a recipe for success. Winning those two categories doesn't mean UCLA has won this game. But if they are significantly behind or lose both of these, there's no chance UCLA wins this game if they lose the turnover battle and the third down conversion battle. Third downs. You got to win third downs, got to win the turnover margin, even if it's tied. Doesn't matter. Got to make sure you take care of the football. Coming up next on Locked on UCLA, the NCAA finally voted and shortened the transfer portal window. What do I think that means? And what does it actually mean verbatim? from the transfer portal window closing a little bit. We'll talk to you more next on Locked On UCLA. Bird dogs, they're going to make you look good. They're going to make you feel good, and they're perfect for any occasion. These are bird dogs, stretch khaki shorts. They're designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg to make you get a nice sculpted look. They fit better than regular shorts, and they fix the this issue of a stiff, restricting cotton 
by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so that you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. It fits nicely on my waist. It feels pretty good. I can move around. feels like a nice, cool short, and I can wear it for any occasion, like I said. A golf, date, evening out, pool, workout. It's going to be hot tomorrow when I go to a theme park. I'm going to wear it because it's going to be nice and toasty. I'm going to feel good. Feel good. That's right. Because they have got perfect things for you with bird dogs. You can go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or enter the promo code locked on college at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Second segment of the Locked On UCLA podcast, Zach Anderson-Yox, I'm with you guys. As we cruise on, what does this new transfer portal window mean after the NCAA shrunk it a little bit? Remember, Chip Kelly brought in 14 transfers this year. Mick Cronin brought in what is supposed to be one impactful transfer. Even Corey Close, we'll touch on that later, brought in one super transfer, the top-ranked recruit in her class, to shore up a defense in the post. So a lot of big things are happening in college athletics, NIL, everything in between. But the portal and NIL have been things that have bolted college athletics to something completely different than what it was prior to COVID. So the NCAA Division I Council approved changes to the transfer portal windows that shrinks the number of days for student-athletes to enter their names into the portal. So instead of 60 days, two full months basically, it goes down to 45 total days where players can put their name in the transfer portal. It's different based on the days and when it's available for each sport, but it does shrink the window a little bit for when players can throw their name in the portal and still be eligible in the next season. So anybody can throw your name in the portal right now. Anybody in any sport can do that. So what the NCAA is doing is shortening the window, every sport in Division I, and then if you don't get it within that window, you lose your access to immediate eligibility right after throwing your name in the portal. So what did that mean? Well, that happened on October 4th, which is when this podcast is going to drop. But if you listen to it after, this is early semi-breaking news of sorts where you're going to have two periods in college football, 30 days after the college champ, college conference college, oh my goodness, conference championship in college football, there's going to be 30 days. And then you have the 15-day spring football window for those players who don't like where they're at in spring football and can transfer after that. Shortening that window, it's going to be from April 15th to April 30th in 2024. While there will be a 30-day window after the season and 15 days in the spring. For men's and women's college basketball, it's 45 days after Selection Sunday, opening on the Monday. Which, think about it. If your coach, like Mick Cronin is, duh, he was trying to make it to the Final Four, win a championship, everything. So imagine trying to balance all that. So while for football coaches, they've probably been advocating for the likes of, hey, we need this shorter. We've got bowl season recruiting, trying to keep our own kids. If you leave this portal open as long as it is, that's even too much stress on us. And then you go to the spring and you got a kid out there for a month and he decides to leave on the last day. That can really hurt a football team. I wonder what this means for basketball, especially for teams who are going deeper or we expect or want to go deeper like Mick Cronin and Corey Close. When you want to go maybe get a good recruit in the portal and most of your focus is on the postseason as it should be. But with the window closing, I know you can recruit with your name in the portal. Just imagine 
how the window opens and closes, how that affects so many different things from 60 days to 45 days. Initially, the Division One Council was voting on this. This was back in early January. Thought about moving the portal window to 30 days as opposed to 45 days that it is actually now. Grad transfers will have to will have a notification of transfer deadline of May 1st for fall and winter sports and then July 1st for spring sports for all grad transfers who are transferring for the first time. So think about it. You've got Chip Kelly, who has somewhat been a mastermind. He was a top 10 based on the on three rankings for transfer portal rankings. I mean, I know Colorado basically brought in a whole new roster. You've got Mick Cronin, who's banking on one super transfer portal recruit in his mind, I would believe, right? Lazarus Stefanovic, who might get a lot of runtime this year as the three, maybe the two, even if he wants to play small ball four. However, Mick Cronin's going to go crazy with this roster that has a lot of size and not a lot of veteran leadership. It's a new thing that NCAA is trying to do, shorten the window, maybe lessen the impact on the coaches, make kids make their decisions faster. I wonder what kid was going to be impacted by 15 less days, could have been 30 less days, and how that is going to be impacted by, you know, Chip Kelly talks about coaches aren't supposed to be involved with NIL or how coaches are supposedly not supposed to reach out and offer deals to different players or try and poach players off the roster. I wonder how that's going to be affected. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But I wonder how that's going to be affected with the window shortening. Will more players leave? Will that mean less players leave? And how does that affect the coaching UCLA football? How is that going to affect what guys they could get if the portal is a little shorter, if it shrinks to the 45-day window, 30 in the fall and the winter, and then 15 in the spring? Only time will tell how that plays a factor. I just wonder how much you know, tampering, right? That's a big NBA thing. Is that going to still be a thing? Can NILs get their deals pumped out faster when you're trying to look at the different recruits? It's not supposed to happen in certain ways. As Chip Kelly always says, the NCAA rule, coaches can't be involved in NIL. You don't want to see the tampering, but that does happen, even though nobody likes to admit it. It does happen anywhere and probably most likely everywhere. How will that change the game? We'll find out. I hope it doesn't, but... You know, shortening the portal window, I don't think, truly affects a lot. We'll just see what the numbers look like this year moving into the next year. What will that look like when the window closes? Does that shrink it by hundreds, thousands, or just by 15 players, 15 names in any sport? Those are things to look out for moving forward, right, as UCLA transitions into the Big Ten. A lot of teams are moving into different conferences next year. you got the NCAA changing the football rules with the clock. You've got the NCAA changing and shortening the transfer portal window. There's a lot of movement in college athletics. Lots of different things changing in a hectic, topsy-turvy time. And I just wonder what it's all going to look like next year at this time. With all these teams, there will be a game or two in their new conferences with schedules that are still yet to be released, a lot of different rules, maybe in different sports, recruiting, what the NIL numbers will look like, a lot of changing parts, evolving parts, with revolving doors going in and out, players going in and out of programs, coaches going in and out, a lot of crazy things that need to be answered by the time this time next year comes in 2024 when UCLA and some of the Pac-12 schools are in the Big Ten and some of the Pac-12 schools will be in the Big 12 and then there's the two-pack, which the Bruins will be playing this weekend and next weekend when they play Wazoo in Oregon State. It'll be a fun time and a unique time as we try to decipher what college athletics 
looks like in the future. For now, we enjoy the ride and see it coming up next. We're going to talk about UCLA women's hoops in this final segment because CBS Sports wrote a nice little article detailing, hey, the UCLA ride rise from non-NCAA tournament participants to a team that maybe a player we I probably mentioned her when they were on their foreign trip, but we're going to talk about her, someone who was coming off an injury. And then how do you go from non-participant in the tournament to number three in the preseason in just a little over a year and a half? All that and more on Locked On UC. You can snap into the NFL season with FanDuel if you want to get in on the betting action, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. And I was looking at the UCLA Wazoo line, and as I've talked about, UCLA's favored by three and a half at home versus the top 15, top 16 team. If you want to vote your Bruins, if you think something crazy is going to happen, who knows? The over-under in this one is 59 and a half. I'm not sure anybody hits the over in this. It might be a little low scoring than we think. And UCLA three and a half at home against top 15 team, that is some action you're going to want to get in on. So... What are you thinking about? You should visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, kick off the NFL season, and get it on this UCLA Wazoo action. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Third and final segment of Locked On UCLA today, we finish with the UCLA women's team once again. CBS Sports covering UCLA's rise from an unranked team in the preseason prior to the 22-23 season. They didn't make the tournament in 21, settling for the WNIT. And now, here UCLA is with Corey Close, a program that's never been to the Final Four, that hasn't won Pac-12, Pac-12 tournament titles since the late 90s and the tournament in the early, mid-2000s. And the Bruins are a top three preseason in multiple polls, the Athletic, ESPN, with the top recruit in the transfer portal coming over to UCLA. And then you've got all the rising sophomores, the return of the senior in Cam Brown, the return of their leading scorer, which could be the definitive reason why UCLA is a top four team in Charisma Osborne, who averages just about 16 points per game. In addition to that, one of the players that the article notes, and I talked about it a little bit, having a good three-point shooting stroke when the Bruins were overseas. The men went to Spain, the Bruins went to Senegal, and then went, I believe, over to Germany, if I'm remembering correctly. But they also went overseas. They, remember, won a game by 100 points who the Bruins are getting back coming off a uh, an injury, which, you know, Angela Dugalik is someone to keep an eye on. I know the eyes will be on Lauren Betts. You've got the Kiki Rices of the world. You've got London Jones and some of those rising sophomores. Emily Bissoir is someone the UCLA will rely on to score and shoot the ball from deep. Can Lauren Betts shore up the post defense, the rebounding, and defend the paint and give UCLA another option in the low post scoring wise isn't a big time score, but she is someone who can at least help that a little bit when Charisma Osborne drives, maybe she can give it to the likes of Lauren Betts. And then you've got Angela DeGalic who comes in with UCLA looking for a shooter where UCLA has a redshirt junior who's coming off a torn ACL did not play last year. This is what Corey close has to say about a redshirt junior. I think she's going to be a major player for us. She has a great blend of experience and talent. She is versatile and allows us to play really big. She is ready to go. Degali hit a few threes in the in one of their wins overseas. So if she can bring that three-point shooting, the Bruins all of a sudden could have an extra three-point shooter 
when last year there'd be times they'd be shooting 15% from three and just couldn't get it going from outside. So maybe the best thing they did was hit the portal, keep someone with the extra COVID year, and get someone back from injury, and all of a sudden UCLA is aiming higher. The point of this article was to illustrate what UCLA is going for. What Close says is, hey, we're not going to look at the outside noise. What she said is all that stuff can be a distraction, quote, in the CBS Sports article. If you've, it has you thinking you've arrived. And the Bruins, despite all the hype, have not arrived. I want us to think about, did we practice better than LSU today? Did we create better habits than UConn? She quotes John Wooden. It's what Coach Wooden says, competitive greatness is a byproduct. And with the veteran leadership, there's even a video posted on Twitter slash X by Isabel Gonzalez, who wrote this article, about the talking between Charisma Osborne and Lauren Betts in a mini interview of a 40-second clip, but also a video of the veteran leadership that's brought back by Cameron Brown, who's a starter, and probably someone that slipped under the radar for most national experts, right? You look at Osborne coming back. You look at the sophomore class, Betts coming in. How much does that veteran leadership with with Brown coming back, with her talking to the team, with what Close wants to have as a player-led team more than a coach-driven team, to get this team to its first ever Final Four. The hype is real in UCLA. They're bringing pieces, maybe pieces we didn't realize would be a focal point this year, and add to the three-point shooting, add to the interior defense that the Bruins were lacking, like when Stanford would have Cameron Brink swatting every shot the Bruins had. Or when the Bruins tried to go against Aaliyah Boston in South Carolina, they couldn't score more than 40 points. You're not going to do it if you can only score 40 points against one of the better teams in the country in the tournament. They've got to be able to play better defense. Not that it struggled as much last year, but they've got to also be able to score the basketball with more options, more ways to score, and find different ways for the Bruins to win in a, a year where the Pac-12 is somewhat wide open and where the NCAA championship on the women's side is very much wide open as well. So it was a nice little article to read up where they're practicing hard. They're trying to develop good habits. It's a player-led team, according to Corey Close. She can be that bad cop, if you will. And the Bruins are finding good little gems every little part of the roster, from the veterans, from the youngsters, from the portal. It's all coming together, and we hope when UCLA starts the season against Purdue, it leads it to a very successful campaign. We love to see both Mick Cronin, Corey Close, deep in the tournament, playing in March into April when it comes to the Final Four. Until then, it's time to get mad because we just got to wait a little bit longer for the teams to take the floor and tip off in Poly Pavilion. So they're trying to prepare better, get better, and win and do anything better further than any previous UCLA women's team in history. So let's get excited for the preseason number three team in the country to step on the court with a lot of talent, a lot of veteran leadership now, coming together for a team that I think will be pretty good and fun to watch. Even though Chris Osborne said it might not be pretty in her little mini snippet on Twitter. It is what it is. Go Bruins. I'm Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer. Hey, the next episode, we're talking Throwback Thursday. What were some of the best UCLA Wazoo moments? Because we're not sure when the next time these two teams will step on the gridiron together. They put on some classic battles. Interestingly enough, the last time these two teams played, we've talked about it. Why not recap it one more time on Throwback Thursday? We'll talk the UCLA-Washington State game, maybe a little bit UCLA hoops as well. More coming up on Locked On UCLA. Stay tuned and become an everyday or hit that subscribe button, and thanks for your support. I'm Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, signing off, saying, all right, Bruins fans, get those hands up, baby. Eight clap time. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, U, C, 
L.A. UCLA fight, fight, fights. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.